Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. This morning as we open to the Word in just a minute, I want you to know that the Word of God has the ability to change anything in your life that you decide you're not satisfied with. How God will change it is with His Word getting in your heart to change your mind. If He can change your mind into believing that what you want can come to pass, and you can find God's Word on the matter, you can lay hold of that is what the Scripture says. That means you can get it from your head into your mouth into your life but it has to get in your heart first when we worship the Lord like we just did we are opening up our hearts to receive what scripture calls the engrafted word it means you are saying I make room in my thought life for something new that I'm going to hear from God's word something that will be grafted in that will take root and grow When something's grafted in over time, growth seals it in and it becomes a part of the tree, part of the plant. God wants what he has to say to you today to be grafted in to change your life forever. No other thought can do that. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is the power of divine life that is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the power of resurrected life where something in you gets cut away or something seems to be hurting or something seems to be missing or something seems to be broken. God's word grafts something in where you have had a loss and he creates a harvest in your future to come that changes everything forever. God allows this engrafted truth to come into families and change the generations. If you're seeing patterns emerge in your family that disturb you, that hail back to the family history, there is a way to displace all of that with God's Word and say, no, I'm not having any of the curse. I'm going to have all of the blessing. And what determines it is you hear it with your heart today and say, I'm having that grafted in. The grafting is on your part to say, Holy Spirit, seal that into me. I believe it. And I choose to receive it into my life. And from now on, my mind is changed and my vocabulary is going to change. I'm going to start talking it and I'm going to start walking it. And life forever changes and things get better for your family. Today is the most significant thing that I can bring you from the Word that will change your life. It's the singular thing Jesus said, if you will get this truth... It'll unlock all the other parables, unlock all the other mysteries, and you'll be able to live in kingdom of God kind of blessing in this life. I don't want you to get to, get to heaven and turn to me and say, well, pastor, you should have taught us more about the kingdom. Today's the day you're getting that. So uh, remember today, because it's a pivot point for you personally to experience more of God. Not just what pastor's saying has happened to him, but what will happen to you that builds your testimony, that builds your case with other people, that demonstrates Jesus. When we take Jesus out, really, you are him. He's living big in you. He can only live as big in you as the words you know about him. So today, we're growing Jesus in you. That can't happen without your life bursting at the seams with something more that's good. So with that this morning, you can be seated. We're going to get into the Word. Today I'm relying on the teaching gift rather than other ways to share with you. Because uh, the Holy Spirit said to me many years ago as a young pastor, the, the thing that I could do and bring the most in ministry that would help the most people would be to teach the things that He has taught me. A pastor's been learning and studying the Word for over 40 years diligently with countless thousands of hours in study. That doesn't make me a know-it-all. It makes me recognize I want to learn more. Because the more I learn, the more excited I get. The more I see, the more I believe I have to share with people that, that's life-changing. We don't just gather together to do church. 
or to have fellowship or eat a good meal or see who cooked what or find out the latest news in each other's lives because we're so busy during the week. We do this to honor the Lord, to honor his word, knowing when we honor him, the kingdom of God is an honor kingdom. When we honor God's word, we are honoring him as a person. When you honor the majesty on high, you have his attention. When you honor the Lord by hearing his word and putting it in your heart, you have his attention. And the next thing he says is, what would you have me to do for you? That's the God we serve. What prompts him to be seeking us to find out what he can do rather than us seeking him with requests is we put his word in our mouth. He comes at the hearing of his word. The presence of God comes at hearing his word because he recognizes it. And when you speak God's word, he says, that's one of my kids speaking my language, and I'm going to go see what they want. It's kind of like if you're in the far, far reaches of your house with the TV on, and one of the kids is talking in their bedroom, and you hear mom, or you hear dad, or you hear your name, you have a choice to make whether to go find out what they want or wait for them to come to you. When God hears you worshiping him, he's saying, what can I do for you? When you draw near to his word and you begin to say God's word, he doesn't wait for you to come from the far reaches of the house. He comes from whatever, wherever he's moving into your life to say, what can I do for you? I hear you speaking my language because God's word is a covenant. He keeps covenant. So when he hears it, he's a promise keeper. He wants to keep the promise. He's not waiting for you to technically get everything right. He wants your words to be right. He wants your words to be God's word because it breaks the power of the devil and it breaks through resistance. Many times people pray and pray and pray and pray and they forget the most important piece. Speak something God said. You can ask all day long, ever done that and not seen the answer come? because we didn't draw God into the situation. We were begging and we weren't faith-filled. When we're faith-filled, we say, God, your, your promise says this about me. It says I'm healed and whole. It says I'm prosperous. It says that I have unity in my household, unity in my family. It says you bring opportunity to me instead of me chasing a dollar, you bring a dollar to me. It, it, it says that I'm the head and not the tail and above and not beneath and on and on and on. And, on. and God starts hearing that and says, what, what, what can I do for you? Why are you telling me all this? I already know. Instead of saying, oh God, I offended you, you got his attention. So you want to grow that as much as you can. Scripture says it's not God's responsibility to grow our faith. It's our responsibility. We do it by hearing and hearing and hearing the Scripture. But hearing the Scripture and growing your faith doesn't get you anything until you put faith in motion. Faith is put in motion, faith in God is put in motion by reminding God of what his word says and that it applies to you because you're in a covenant, because you are saved, Jesus lives in your heart, you are at one with God again, it's because of Jesus' performance for you, not your performance for him. But you lay hold of that and you say, you know, I'm a part of the family. And you don't do that with arrogance in your heart, you do that with the humility saying, Jesus is my connection to heavenly goods. I'm going to go to him with his word. Why? If it's in the covenant, you may request it and God must answer it. Did you know that? He is faithful to his word always to perform it. When we don't see a performance, it's because we need to get the word instead of crying and praying. Now we're a praying church, but I'm going to tell you, praying won't get you everything. God designed faith-filled confession to be the seed that you sow and prayer to be the nurturing that you need to convince yourself it will come to pass. You're not praying to change God's mind. You're praying to change your mind. Praying to change my mind. Why? God already said it's settled. Jesus on the cross, last thing he said is it is finished. He meant everything that he was going to do for you is finished. What we have to do is find out what was the finish. What did he do for me? And then lay hold on that truth. Scripture calls it righteous thinking. Well, many times what God did for us doesn't line up with what's happening in our life. And we have the power to displace that. God gave all power and authority to us as his children. And he did it in the form of a covenant, which is a binding agreement. And it's binding in this way. When we ask Jesus to live in our heart, we are a part of the family. 
But we must get the family language and code down, and that's what the Scripture is. It tells us what legally belongs to us, how to deal with resistance, how to deal with the enemy, but it doesn't make a big deal over dealing with the devil because Jesus already did that. It makes a big deal about us getting our confession, our conversation right. You know, I deal with folks all the time, say things like, well, I'm believing God for my healing from my asthma or my whatever. Well, they're possessing something that they want rid of. So I say the first step is quit saying it's yours. Jesus took that on the cross. Let him have yours. Oh, they look so surprised. Just a new way of thinking. Why, we've been trained to just accept whatever comes along. Well, if it isn't good, it isn't God, and you don't have to accept it. A lot of people argue, say, well, I tried that. And I'll say this, I have countless testimonies of finding the right word in God's word and then not giving up. Why? Uh, It would be a rather hypocritical thing to get up to teach on things that don't happen in my own life. So I don't do that. If I teach it, it's because I experience it in my heart and in my life. So I, I believe because of that, there's ways we can apply the truth, and it sets us free. It isn't just that, that he saves us from our troubles. He saves us into his blessing. Both work. Why? God didn't just save us to leave us uh, to, to flounder around like the rest of the world. He saved us so we'd come into his kingdom so we would be an example of Jesus. Not for Jesus, but of Jesus. You are the Jesus that walks and talks today. So think about how much walking and talking you dedicate to him. And I would encourage you, if you change your talking, he will change your walking. And you'll find life full of more joy all the time. Yeah, I marvel at how religion has convinced people that God is a limiter. When in reality, he blew the the, the locks off of our limitations and said, I want you to live in power and authority if you can believe it. You can receive it. He said, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, if God was teasing to say that, why would we do church? (laughs) He's not teasing. So when somebody says something like that to me, I'll find out what's possible. What are all the possibilities? I want to learn what they are. And that's what's in the covenant. That's That's why we listen to teaching. See, preaching can get you pumped up and hyped up. Teaching will impart to you wisdom. And you don't have to, to learn it over 40 years. You're, you, you can learn it in 30 minutes here, some things. And that, that's what we're out to do. I, I, I love giving people the shortcut as much as I can, as long as the results are the same. And uh, I don't know, sometimes the shortcut results feel better just because it happened quick. Wouldn't you like that to happen in some areas of your life, just things happen quicker? We're going to look at some things Jesus said. Everything that I have to say today is founded on things that Jesus personally himself said. We're beginning in Mark 4, verse 14. The sower sows the word. Now, you've heard many times it said the sower sows his money. I'm not here to talk about money today. In fact, this parable is clearly about the scripture. It can be taught any number of ways. I'm not against teaching that sowing and reaping is a principle of financial gain. It is one of the ways. It's not the most powerful way in the scripture. It's one of the ways because it's an earthly law. An earthly law, God set in motion that even when man would fall, earth would produce for man if he'd get his words right. So Jesus, in saying this is the most important parable, is telling us the most important truth of your life. When Jesus comes to live in you, find out what he has to say and say that. And as you say that, your life will have more and more of him. Not more and more of him restricting you, more and more of him giving you liberty and showing you how to live. Why? He took care of the enemy on the cross so that he could bring us new and abundant life. John 10 tells us that. So the sower sows the word. Well, a sower can be anybody who wants to sow the word. Hearing it doesn't make you a sower. Hearing it can give you some seed. I believe today everybody can have a seed bag as big as you want it. You decide how much you want to get out of this. It's up to you. It isn't up to me. It's up to you. Well, how can that be? Uh, Jesus is the giver of life. He doesn't limit us. He took away the limits so that we can hear God's word again and again and again and hear more and more over time out of the same scriptures. But today, if you want to be a sower, you have a decision to make. 
There's an activity involved to be a sower in sowing God's word. I'm sowing God's word into you. I would say it's some of the most advanced seed that I know that I have in my storehouse to teach you to change your life the most that you can, the fastest you can, the most radical way you can in ways beyond your imagination right now because that's what God does in my life. Why? His word changes everything. His word created the earth. His word will put the earth back together for you in the way that it was meant to function under your authority with him living in you. So your world will come together with God's plan and you won't know the difference between God's plan and your world if you'll begin to speak and believe his word. But the sower sows the word. I can't do this for you. I'd try if I thought it'd work. But you know what? It don't work. You have to be a sower. And if you are a sower, then you get to reap harvest, but not only your harvest. What happens in my life when I sow God's word into you? There's reward in heaven for having planted and invested in you, and you do the same to others. You should walk away from every service and plant something you heard in this service in somebody else, or you're doing God a disservice. Well, you're not a sower till you plant a seed. So sometimes people think, well, I'm receiving and God's sowing seed into me. That's great. But you can have an immediate harvest if you take a little bit of that seed and you go plant it in somebody else. You became the sower instead of pastor being the sower. What will happen? Pastor won't just be enriched. You'll be enriched. Why? You took the word. I mean, if I, it, I, I have ordered a gross of seed before. That means huge amounts. I go online and I I like certain kind of tomato plants. And, you know, uh, for me, I like to plant 30 or 40 or 50 tomato plants. Most people plant three or four. When I do a garden, I do a big garden. But to to get the best deal on the seed, I don't know, you're buying 500 seeds sometime, but you can get 500 for the price of 40 seeds if you shop. What do I do? I get that in. I don't hide it in the cupboard. I plant the 30 I want and 30 more to give away, and then I give the rest of the seed away because I'm tired of planting seeds. So you you kind of want to think of that principle. God's always got more in this than what you need in the moment. He's got more than you need in your next level of harvest. He's got something for you to sow out of today into somebody's life that will change their thinking toward God. That's what we really are doing in representing Jesus is we're changing somebody's mind about what they know or, or have heard about God or what they've never heard. When people have never heard a truth, it's really, really easy to to plant a seed of God is good. Well, why did he kill my brother-in-law then? He didn't. How do you know he didn't? Bible tells me so. Do you believe the Bible? Most people say, well, I guess. Well, if you believe it, then then you you have to know the devil's the author of that. He's the author of confusion. You're confused because something the devil did. God didn't have anything to do with that. God's heart toward your brother-in-law or whoever it was that died is, he he wanted him to, to have a long, rich life without problems well how can you say that when God allows all this to happen God didn't allow it to happen the Bible says that 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 God gave all authority to us if anybody's allowing it's because we're ignorant to the truth and we don't know how to how to lay hold of the truth well pastor it sounds like you're saying we can be in control I said we can be if we want to be if we're doing it God's way we got to do what he says well how do we do that well we live the way he says to live See, some folks say they, they, they can live anyway, but have God results. Good luck with that. It's a covenant. It's a package deal. So when we want the word to work for us, our faith is strongest when we know we've been obedient kids. We're not afraid to ask for what we ought to ask for. Why? We know we're doing him right. We, we know that we're speaking right about him. And I, I'm not so much talking about your works and your actions as your words. You talk up the Lord Jesus, he'll move in your behalf. Why? You gave him glory. People look for the glory of God to manifest. This is how it manifests. You talk good about him. He'll show up. He'll show up in your life. He'll show up and start doing something. You say, how'd that happen? Then it'll dawn on you. Must be God. If it's good, it was God. More likely God than you. Right? So we try to do good and we still don't get good sometimes. Why? We, we need God in the mix. Well, that's who the sower is, but we we become a sower because we expect and desire a harvest to follow. I became a sower not just to expect a harvest in my life, but to expect to enhance and bring harvest in other folks' lives. I desire to give them the seed that they need to change their future. Jesus said this was the most significant truth he would teach in his earthly ministry. 
He said that if we get a hold of this, we would get a hold of all the other parables. We would have a complete understanding. Well, every so often then I go back and I look at this again. Say, there's something more in this I need to understand. What is it? I've heard it taught a lot of ways. Many times a preacher will teach to advantage the preacher. I don't do much of that. won't say I never do. There's times I'll introduce an idea you may not know about why it'll help our church. But most of the time, I'll, I'll, I, as, as I'm praying for our church, I ask the Lord, what will help us the most? What will help us progress the most? What will help us grow the kingdom of God for you the most? What will make you proud of us? This is one of the things he answers with. Now, he talks about the sower sowing the word. Well, you got to have a hold of some. you got to have some in your seed bag. you got to put some in your thought life to be able to sow it. To sow it, you say it. To sow it, to grow, you target what you're saying it to. You're going to go out and plant seed. We can go out and plant it in the middle of the asphalt highway. A little of it will blow in the road ditch. And if it's a pumpkin, it might produce pumpkin because I see that happen or a gourd. But you see, some, you see a tomato seed blow over in the road ditch, the grass will swallow it up. Why? Grass likes the prairie and tomatoes have to be nurtured. So what you're going to get has something to do with where you put it. Recognize you are God's good ground, but you are also the stony ground. You are also the wayside. You are, you are all, the, all of the soil types are in your life somewhere. I've heard people teach this where, oh, you're either this or this or this. I, I know better. Everybody I know has got some of all of it. We lived in Tennessee and had a farm there for 10 years. When we moved to the farm, it had not been tilled in seven years, and the yard had not been mowed in seven years. And any of you that, that have gone and reclaimed a homestead know what that, that work entails. But the margins of the fields uh, uh, actually went a slope up to the big trees, the little bitty trees way out here to bigger, 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 to the mature trees out here. And we had to decide, do we like what's growing in the margin of the field or do we want to clean up the edge uh, margin of the field? Because there was a wayside. The wayside was interesting for the wildlife, but it wasn't producing anything but snakes to come up to the house as far as we were concerned. So we had to decide what to do about the wayside. The first year, I cut back with a sickle mower by hand. And I got about 10 foot back and thought, well, everything beyond this point is too big for the sickle mower. What'll I do? And we, we, were, we were saving our money to buy a, a tractor big enough to take care of the property because we went from a push mower in town in North Carolina to a farm in Tennessee with no farm tools, nothing. And uh, anyway, we had to get a little bigger piece of equipment with what they, in the South, they call it a bush hog or a brush cutter. I think we talk, it's the same thing here, isn't it? Anyway, you had to put that on the back of the tractor and it'd take out something a little bit bigger. But the, the wayside, when we got a little bit of it cleared, the next year, boy, all of a sudden all the neighbors were saying, can we rent your fields? Can we plant something out there? I said, oh, you know, make me a proposal. Well, I wanted to grow green beans and pimento peppers in that part of Tennessee. Those were the big cash crops. And they said they wanted to do that. I said, well, shoot me a deal. And my Mennonite neighbors are down the road. We were in the Mennonite neighborhood. I think we were the only folks that were not in those days within probably 15 miles. I'm guessing a long ways around us anyway. They came and they had twin boys that were about 14. Those two twin boys wanted, wanted desperately to grow hay and farm that, that little bit of land. We had probably... 40 acres tillable, the rest of his forest and caves and ponds and things like that. But they came pitched a deal and they said, Mr. Lee, what will make the difference here? I said, I get unlimited green beans and pimentos. <laughs> Done. I said, and you pick them. What if our sisters pick them? <laughs> I said, who are your sisters? Well, they're at home and they'll do it because mom will tell them they have to. I said, deal. We shook hands, we signed papers and... Yeah, but that year they planted out into that wayside where I'd been cutting, but before they could plant, they did the best they could to till it. When you're dealing with a wayside in your life, and you'll have some, you've got to let God in there to break the ground. Sometimes we're limited because we don't want to recognize we've created limits by letting other stuff grow up where God has a harvest in mind for us. 
And you, you've seen fields like that. This happens in Illinois if you're planting up against a timber. The crop looks really healthy out here where it gets all the moisture and sun. But the closer you get over there to the trees, the smaller everything grows. Till you get over and think, I shouldn't even planted these last five rows because it's not going to produce anything. What you did, though, is you broke up fallow ground. And the next season, less roots are going to be out in there and more will grow. Now, I warned those boys. They said, well, Daddy already told us about that. But we know next year. Now, you're going to let us farm next year, aren't you? I said, depends on what kind of green beans and pimento peppers I get out of this deal. <laughs> anyway, we had a longstanding relationship. But I share that because you have a responsibility to God to be faithful in the process. Some of the things we want to grow up quickly take time. This crusade coming to pass is 40 years in the making. It's never left my heart, but 40 years. So why is that important? Many of you are sitting on something that took 40 years to build, a business, a, a, you know, paying off a, a house, sending kids to school and paying for that and just getting everybody grown and out of the house in a respectable life and think, oh, thank God. Why? Long-term goals. Seed after seed after seed is planted and breaking up the ground. Another kind is a stony ground where we just think this is how it is and we've got a hard heart in an area. When I don't let God change my mind, there's something in the way. Something from a little stone to maybe a boulder. I don't know if you've ever had any boulders, but I've had some. Fortunate for me, I learned the Holy Spirit's uh, name uh, is the same as the root word for dynamite. That's what he does. So I recognize there's some things I can't change without his power. And I had to, to learn how do you set the charge for that? And how do you light the fuse and not let the rest of your life blow apart when God's dealing with the ugly piece? There's a way to do it. You speak God's word and you say, this part of my life's being changed and it's going to become productive. Where I've not been able to produce, I'm going to produce now. Instead of thinking this is how it's always going to be, I want to challenge your thinking. You will have whatsoever you say is what the Bible says. So start by changing your thinking. And when you get convinced in your thinking, start saying what it is that you, you want to receive. And I say it this way, Lord Jesus, thank you for providing me divine health on the cross. You're going to teach me how to walk in it, but I receive it now along with the wisdom that you need to graft into my mind, uh, along with the ability to succeed. If the chocolate box has been too big a part of your life, he'll set a charge under it and it'll blow it to smithereens. Well, I've experienced that, experienced a lot of things. So you can't have whatsoever you say. Now, we've got to get through some things today. There's three ways we can fail, and Jesus started with that. He got everybody excited. The sower sows the word, and they thought there's something good coming. Then he said there's three real problems with being a sower, challenges. And he talked about three things, three conditions. I started talking about this already. But he said these are they that are, are planted by the wayside where the word is sown or in the road ditch, we would say, or in the field margin or in the fence row. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and steals the word that was sown in their hearts. Why? We, we, we didn't do anything to till before we got there. You should pray every time you're coming to church, God, open up my heart that I receive the seed of your word, that there might be an abundant harvest in my life. Change my way of thinking. Open up my heart to receive more of you. Today, I open my heart to the engrafted word. Make it a part of my heart, part of my life, part of my mouth, and change my future forevermore. Why? If we're not doing that, we come in sometimes on the edge of covenant, and we've had a wayside week. So, Pastor, how can you know that? I'm a person, I'm a human being, and I've had wayside weeks before. As a pastor, I've had a wayside week. Can you believe it? Life got too busy, too carried away with things that just seemed to demand attention. And you know, your only way out of that is not to work harder. It's to talk smarter. To talk the covenant. So, you know, I'm not going to be bound by the limits of my life. God's expanding my ability to get more done. He's going to supernaturally help me. Things that are out of control are coming under his control because he's helping me. Why, the Holy Spirit's my helper. So I say, Holy Spirit helper, let's get at it here. I need help. You know what? He loves hearing that. He doesn't go, oh, it's Doug again. He's like, finally, let me do something. I can see you having a tough time. Let, let me in there. Let me put my... Why, he brings the dynamite. Now, and he knows how to set the charge where it doesn't hurt anything. It helps everything. 
But many times we, we hit the wayside because of unbelief, because of being too busy, because of not hearing the word enough. Hearing the word, hearing and hearing and hearing the word sets the stage for your heart to believe it. The only other way you can enhance your believing that scripture teaches is you pray and it convinces he convinces you as you're praying. Praying is not so much making requests, but hearing ourselves receive from God and say, I choose to receive it. Well, you only ask once. Then you say, Lord Jesus, I'm here to talk about that again. So you only pray once about things. I ask once, I pray long, but I ask once. Say, I believe I received that. Now, Lord, let's talk about that coming into my life. What do I need to do? What can I do differently? Many people want Scripture to work like a magic potion. It does not. Scripture is God's way to draw you into a closer relationship with Him where you see you can have a promise. What He's after is for you to be a covenant keeper, and He'll be a covenant keeper. He loved you first, you loved Him back. He offered covenant, you give Him covenant back. So when people don't want to line up with living the way God's Word says they should live, they will miss out on part of the covenant. That's the wayside. Maybe you've not heard the word on something. Maybe when I talk about divine healing, you say, I don't know very much about that. Well, you can learn more about that if you hang around me because I'll teach you about that. Well, I've experienced more in that arena than I have in the doctor's hands. And I'm not against doctors. I'm all for them. I have a number of them as personal friends, good personal friends. But I like the way Jesus does things. He doesn't use a knife. He uses the word. But says the word's sharper than a two-edged sword. He got a really big knife. Okay. What's he do? He does surgery that's quick and efficient, heals up without any wound or side effects. That's how he does things. So the, the, the first thing is we can, we can have some wayside in our life. I've heard it preached, well, some people just are waysides. I think, I wonder who that is. I'd hate to be that. I'm sure glad I'm not that. And I think, but I got some of that. Then the next he said, these are that are sown on stony ground. Move to Tennessee, that's what they have in Tennessee. So if you have a field, it's been cleared so you can grow stuff. Our house was built out of the stone that they brought in from the field over 100 years. And the wall around it, and the ravine was full of it, and the pond had it all around it. Well, a lot of stone in Tennessee. And you could go out in that field and dig, but you can't dig like here. You go down about 10 or 15 inches, you better stop, or you're going to hit some rock. It's going to tear something up. Sometimes... We don't want to admit we have some hardness in our life. Sometimes the hardness is there just because of circumstances, but hardness is a voice that speaks back and says, this is not for you. It'll never work for you. You're an exception. Well, you can choose to be an exception to God's word or break through that barrier. Say, no, God's word will change me and I'll come out of that limitation. But there's some stone moving. There's some effort on our part to get our heart right. Sometimes unforgiveness works like a stone. I, I know some people that, that I, I fellowship with that I'm trying to help. And there's so much unforgiveness that uh, you couldn't run a two-row planter through their life and plant seed. So what do I do? I, I say, in Holy Ghost, go get, put the dynamite out there. Let's at least get some room to plant something. So sometimes you don't want somebody else coming into your life with a stick of dynamite. Most of you would not welcome that if I came to your house and said, let's blow something up. Now, Josh would let me. Probably, I don't know what we'd blow, maybe the, back by the shed or somewhere. And he'd say, no, Rihanna's gone for the day, so it's cool, Pastor. But we got to clean it up now before she gets here. And then he'd start saying things like, but let's direct the charge. Let's not hit the house. Uh, I wonder if we're insured if it hits a house. And so there'd be a conversation. The Holy Spirit knows how to do it so perfectly that when he puts a desire in our heart to change a stony place, the Old Testament teaches that we can have a stony place in our heart and except for the help of God, we will become more and more hard-hearted all the time. He wants to change that. Now, he changes it with his word coming in and challenging the hardness. Talked about church being like a locker room sometimes. And what I mean by that is there's a new realization sometimes of oh, this needs to apply to my life and people know it. That's part of being a real person, a real Christian. It's to, to let people know or people observe in your life you need Jesus the same as they do. That's refreshing to other folks, not limiting. Now, 
the stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately they receive it with gladness say man that's for me I want that and have no root in themselves nothing takes root why they don't do what it takes to let the seed grow because there's too much rock lands on the rock and it eventually gets eaten up by something now they so endure but for a time but afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they're offended in other words, this does not seem to be working. And usually they'll say it this way, this isn't working for me. Okay. What just happened? An acknowledgement of stone in there somewhere. When that happens to us, we don't need to give up and just say, well, this isn't working for me. We need to say, why is this not working for me? It's not a God problem. It must be a stony heart problem. What could it be? And when I, I'll just tell you how it works. When you ask the Lord that in a flash, you'll know. I've never had to seek the Lord to find out what was stopping my harvest. I just simply say, Lord, what, what, what do I need to change? And why? Holy Spirit's just waiting for the question. Saying, remove this stony place out of your heart. What's your heart? Your thought life. A lot of times it gets in our thought life because we have a pattern of giving up on God and going to produce it on our own. If I work harder, if I work smarter, if I follow the world system, if I read everybody that's published a book on this, I'll get the truth when Scripture says that, that, that God's Word is what sets us free. See, we have to decide uh, whether to work the covenant or work ourselves into the ground trying. See, sometimes we get religious thinking and think we've got to have everything look right in our lives to look like we're serving Jesus. Nothing could be further from the truth. You have to be honest about yourself to yourself to be serving Jesus or you don't grow. We don't grow. Well, we've got to let the dynamite in at times. Do a work. Fortunately for us, the Holy Spirit is, is going to be private about this as you want him to be and work on you. Now, a lot of times this is just because there's no room left in a person's life to put down committed roots in their thought life. All the study that I've done didn't change anything in my life, but it gave me access to seed so I could change the things I was willing to change, honest enough to change, willing to let God in to change, trusting him enough to make change. So the word you hear doesn't set you free. The word you do sets you free. Jesus said we had to be doers of the word. Now, there's a third challenge and these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enters in chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful that means we're we're busy with other priorities pursuits and passions or we don't give God's word much room hearing God's word on Sunday is the setup for you to do something with it it's not doing something with it to hear it's receiving the seed and then recognizing, oh, that just hit a stony place or that just hit a wayside or that just hit among thorns. I've been burned there before. <laughs> this didn't work before. I have another way of thinking. When I talk to people about divine healing, many times they'll say things like, that doesn't make any sense. That's, thorn, that's thorny ground. What do you do? You, you, you plant the word and then you uproot the thorn. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose your word as my, my truth and my light rather than what I've experienced. And it, when you displace thorns, if you don't know one of the hardest things to deal with, if you're trying to grow a crop, so go out there after you plant. Thistles are famous for this. Go till the ground, plant your, your, your plants. After the first good rain, they come back up. They think, I thought I tore all those up. You tore them up, but the root's still down in there. Thorns are things that got rooted in you, and when you first start working the ground of your faith, those roots are down in there, and you've got to do something about it. So what do you, you put on the leather work gloves up to here and you go out there and tear them out and throw them in a basket or a bucket or something and burn them. If you live in Tennessee, you burn stuff. You shoot things and burn stuff. You live there. <laughs> so what do you, you burn those weeds or they will come back and burn you. And they have stickers on them. They try to irritate you. And when you get irritated dealing with them, you'll probably be irritated with everybody around you. They'll wonder what in the world is wrong with them today. Why? You're dealing with sticker patch. But you see, we have to or we don't get a harvest there. And you didn't plant the stickers necessarily. The enemy did because we're in the world. First thing Adam and Eve had to deal with when they got outside the garden was dealing with displaced plants called weeds. I bet a lot of them had thorns. Why? Well, that's just the way the enemy tries to do things. Get you one way or the other if he can. 
But our success, there's success in this. I'm glad Jesus went to it before he's done. He said, here are three challenges you are going to face that you're going to have to deal with. But he said, here's how success works. These are they which are sown on good ground. You have some of that. I'd like to think you have a lot of that. I'd like to think that you're going to up the real estate value you have to the kingdom of God today by evaluating what kind of ground you are. And yeah, I remember looking at that little farm in Tennessee saying, we're going to improve this spot while we're here. And if we, if we end up living our whole life here, it's going to be clearly demarcated. There won't be, everything's going to have its place and order and be producing and animals are going to graze over here and we're going to grow a garden over here and we're going to have a hay field over here and we're just going to leave this little hill over here for camping on it because it's real pretty. It looks, overlooks the water and you know we're going to, on and on and on. Your life is like that to God where he's dream, dreaming about how to maximize What he created you to be. And the representation you have now is a little bit. Or when God looks at you and he looks at me, he says, I have a vision for this real estate. I have a vision for this person in their life that would blow them out of the water if they would begin to see it. And then he desires to reveal that through what the scriptures say. You're not going to have a dream about a perfect life unless it's full of God's word. It, It didn't come from him. Well, you have a healthy imagination. You can imagine a perfect life. But as you're imagining it, are you hearing God's word to build it? He gives you a lot of room to make improvement on you where the enemy tried to hurt you, you see. But the way he does it is always the same with faith in his word. The word is the person of Jesus. Now, this is what he said. These are they which are sown on good ground. You might want to say, that's me. I have some of that. I'm increasing my amount of that. Why? We, we want to be the good ground. Now, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Why the variation? Because they're, they're poor soil? No. Because they haven't cleared the good ground. They haven't tilled the wayside. They haven't removed the stones. You're not made any less than anybody else God ever created. He said the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you physically, bodily. Jesus is living in you. The full representation of the Heavenly Father and you have access to everything that He has and everything that He is. That's overwhelming to our head. But our heart says, I want to believe that. If only that could be true. Well, Scripture says it is true. But we wrestle with choosing to believe it. But when we start believing that and we start speaking God's word out of our mouth, the wayside gets less. The productivity grows. He begins to change our life. Why? He wants to be the reason you succeed, not you. So that's a hard concept for modern believers to get a hold of because we're educated mostly in the world system. You get an education, you work hard, and you, you fight your way to the top. You do whatever it takes. You keep your nose to the grindstone. I remember all of my graduation cards from eighth grade were, like, full of that kind of stuff. Oh, man, you won't have any nose left. You won't have any time left. You won't have any, you know, everybody, all the cards are saying, work hard, and you'll do good. You know what I found? You, you, you can work hard, and there's an element of return on that. Or you can let God change who you are, and your whole life is enriched. Otherwise, it's a trade-off, and many of you have experienced that. If I, man, if I work too many hours, my family life suffers. Man, if, I, if I take on a second job, I'm not getting to sleep, my body, my body gets sicky. We, we think we've got to be limited to this world system, and God's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're one of my kids. Wait a minute. And remember, he's supernatural, so he's wanting us to have something better than we had before. Now, he's saying there our success can be limited because of those three factors he was talking about. It's not a word problem. I can even tell you it's not a preacher problem. It's a human problem. We're in a fallen world and you know the, the world is not as beautiful as it was before the fall. Neither is our life. But Jesus redeemed our life from destruction. He hasn't redeemed the world yet. That's coming later. He'll recreate it later. But he recreated us when he rose from the grave. He really put it in motion when he said it is finished. I don't think we have the capacity to know everything that he's done for us. But when we study his word, we begin to learn that. It says light comes in and pushes out the darkness. 
So I'll say it this way. You can have as much of God as you want if you will do what he says to do to get him involved. He comes at the mention of his word. That doesn't mean you have to confess it 5,000 times. He said at the mention. He comes at the mention. So I just choose to believe that. If I find something in the scripture, I say it out loud. Say, well, you're here now. Let's talk about this. You know what he he does? Some people say, well, that's far-fetched. Pastor's talking to Jesus. Yep. I don't care if people believe it or not. Why? That's how real he becomes when we look at his word. His, his, His word is him. And you just become so conscious of him walking with you. It changes the way you think about things. Earthly law works in our favor. I'm going to tell you, here's a, here's a bonus. God put the law in motion that seed would produce a harvest in the earth. The devil didn't get to remove that. That's still a law of the earth. So the law God put in motion in the Garden of Eden that everything would reproduce after its own kind also put into effect the law we call of sowing and reaping. So if we sow something, we're going to reap. Now you have to become convinced of that. When I plant the tomato seed I talked about, I know exactly how long it takes to germinate, under what conditions. I set up all the perfect conditions with a little little warm 72-degree mat underneath and a little cover over. And uh, I know that in six days, if all the conditions are right, I will have tomato plants where if the conditions are wrong, it might take two weeks. Why? I give it all the right conditions immediately. God does that for you. When you walk away today, there will be seed planted in you that he's already set in motion to germinate. But what you say will water that seed. What you speak out of your mouth makes it yours. And it won't be pastor said and pastor taught. It'll be, I believe I received. Therefore, I say. And as I say it, I can envision it and I can have it now. And Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. That same man's going to go to sleep, get up night and day, and and the seed should spring forth and grow up, and the man doesn't know how it does it. I still don't know how it does it. What do I mean? The, the, The programming's in the seed. It's programmed. God did that. Now, you can hybridize. You can do others. There's a whole bunch of things I do understand that you can do. You can speed up the germination. You can protect it. You can inoculate it. There's all kinds of things we can do that are practices but I can't make a seed. I can't program it to produce after its own kind. That's God's business. So I'm going to tell you one of the great secrets I see here. You don't need to know how God does it. I decided a long time ago to quit looking for how in my life. Because I would pray and then I'd say, well, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to change my future? Instead of saying, what do I need to do to cooperate with your plan? I was asking him how he was going to do it. He's already done his part. He wants to give us instructions to line up with what he's done so we can have it. It's a relationship. He's not just going, oop, here you go, giving us little carrots. He wants us to walk with him and talk with him and have the same fellowship that he set up in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve where every morning they walked and talked with God in the garden. He wants us to bring our requests to him like that and he wants to answer us with the answer of what to do and what to change. But life gets so busy, many people don't take the time. And I'll tell you, we miss out on some of the best things we could have, particularly our relationship with the Lord suffers. Why? He wants relationship, not just to give us stuff. Many people look at the covenant and say, this is my ticket with God for the stuff I need in my life. Good luck with that. It's the ticket to have a relationship with him so you can learn to receive what he has given you. It's a covenant and it's a contract and we understand it as we go. Now, and he said, so is the kingdom of God if a man should cast seed into the ground, sleep and, sleep and rise night and day and the seed will spring and grow up and he knows not how, for the earth brings forth fruit of herself. He says, here's the law. It's going to happen. The earth will do it. We're in the earth. It works in the earth. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. So we speak God's word and it begins to water the seed. The the crusade is an example of that. There's been countless sowing of seed through the years. Uh, In in 1980, I was a young Bible student when I went. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about that trip. I was working for the dean of missions. I really didn't have a choice. I was going on a missions trip or I wasn't going to work in that office. That was just part of the deal. So I was happy to go. It was an adventure. We went to Guatemala. Why the Holy Spirit told me to go to Guatemala while I was there? He spoke to me about that nation that I would always have a responsibility to that nation and its peoples. 
So I've been praying for you, Lord, what's that responsibility? What do we do? We've been doing a number of things as church. But part of the responsibility is go, go back and have meetings like I had when I was 18. We had a little baby brought forward by the, the granddaughter of a witch doctor. The baby had a club foot. I had just preached Acts 3.19, which is uh, repent, therefore, and, the time, and, and healing and the refreshing of God will come at the mention of his word is essentially what it says. They brought this baby. While holding the baby, I prayed. It wasn't my faith. It was Jesus' faith at work. The baby's club foot popped. The toes came out. The foot came out. Now, I know I had almost nothing to do with that except I went to Guatemala. And my, my great doctor over the missions department said you're on tonight hope you're ready he said well I got a theme so that's all you need you need the theme and the Holy Ghost why do I share it? that was seed of things to come it was God's seed it wasn't my seed I wasn't responsible he said he gives seed to the sower I look back at that and I know that, that that had like nothing to do with me that had everything to do with Jesus he wanted to show him he was alive and real so why isn't that working for me? We need to choose to believe what his word says is true. In Guatemala, that mama didn't have any choice. She'd been to all the witch doctors. Couldn't afford a surgery. So what'd they do? Come to the man that says Jesus can do it. Why did she really come to... Really, the witch doctors came to, to prove us wrong in those days. But Jesus knows how to show he's real. He, if he can do it there, he can do it in you. He can do it in, 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 in me. Regenerate my liver and on and on and on. He can do it in you. I, I, I've just learned I'm just going to believe if the word says it, I can have that. And I want us to be that kind of church. We're about done here. We can break out of our limitations. He tells us how if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank God for that. And he said to them, take heed what you hear. For with what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you. And he that hears shall more be given, but he that doesn't hear will have it taken away, what he does have. So you see, this is an ongoing relationship. We don't stop hearing God's word. I don't stop hearing the healing scripture if I want to walk in greater health. I keep hearing it and anything else the Holy Spirit tells me I need to do in discipline in my life to stay healthy. So why doesn't God just perform a miracle? In the Garden of Eden, we wouldn't have died, but... Now we're, we're, we're condemned once to die. This flesh is going to die. But until that time comes, I'm going to crank everything out good out of it that I can. Well, that's our responsibility. The Holy Spirit lives in here, you see. He wants to be happy in the house that he's in, not embarrassed, shamed, upset, or limited by it. So what do we do? We give him the best place we can to live, take care of ourselves. His testimony of the Lord Jesus. That's powerful thinking. You start thinking about it. Why? He, he wants to do something. He wants everybody to look at the house. They wonder what's going on in there. Wonder what, what party's going on inside of there. You ought to have a party going on inside of you all the time. Something God's doing, something he's speaking. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have some challenges on the outside, but you can have a party on the inside. Why? That's a life of faith. It says, I'm celebrating the blessing even when I'm not seeing it with my eyes. I'm seeing it in my heart. That's what faith looks like. Now, with what measure you meet, it'll be measured unto you. That literally means you have a measuring device in you. I'm going to say it this way. You are God's measuring device for you. With what measure you meet means how much are you willing to believe and put out of your mouth? That describes your measuring device. How much of God's word is in your heart today? So what does it mean to be in my heart? You know it's in the Bible. That's in your heart. You don't have to know chapter and verse and get real religious about it. But you know the truth, and the truth sets free. What do you do? You look in your heart when a, when a challenge comes and say, this isn't right, and I'm not going to accept my life being like this. God, let's do something about it. And you begin to speak God's word out of your mouth, and with what you know on the inside, it determines what your harvest is going to be. Not what you heard me preach, but what you put in your heart. With what measure you meet. In other words, I won't get a harvest in my life because of all the preaching I've listened to. But what did I listen to and get in my heart? And what am I saying with my mouth? Because the measuring device is this mouth. That's why I can have whatever I say. 
And God says, this is Jesus speaking. He said, you can up the measuring cup if you want. You can, uh, I, I, I have a picture of this. You, you can go from the quarter teaspoon. I think there's an eighth teaspoon we used to make pies back there a while back. And then you think, oh, and then the, the big measuring cup. And then I look at the industrial ones that are like uh, five-gallon measures in these big kitchens. And then I just look to the semi and say, you know, semi is a good measure. That's why he said that we, we can have a harvest, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. Will men give unto your bosom? Why? You change this, how people respond to you will change. Good measure. What is good measure? It's whatever good you metered out. Let's just stand to your feet. I want to pray with you this morning. This was a different style. The day was pure teaching because it's what the Holy Spirit said to do to, to teach it in a way that everybody can grab a hold of that. What does it do? It increases our hunger and thirst for what Jesus has and who he is on the inside of us. It helps us live in covenant, live in the promises instead of hearing about them. I don't want you to live a life of frustration coming to church hearing what you could have had and never have. I want you to get every bit of it and then some. I want you to be able to come back and say, Pastor, I got something I never heard you teach on and it's working in my life. Come on, show me. Well, I, I like to expand the garden. What I do when people do that, I like to put them up there and let them teach it their own self. Why? They've cultivated it. They've grown the crop. Y'all watch closely how they grew pimentos. Well, I found they're just little red peppers. I knew how to grow red peppers. But they go out and harvest them different. I learned how they harvested them. And they don't tear the plants up. Pepper plants break off. God knows how to treat your life. The harvest you think is for you is really for him to win the kingdom back. And what are we? We're stewards. In this life, you manage you, and God will do everything he can through you. That's a big promise. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation. Today, Father, we're honoring your word. The hearing and the doing of your word, especially the speaking of your word out of a heart. Father, as pastor, I have the authority to speak over this congregation. Your promises there, and I shall do so. Heavenly Father, I thank you. This is a people given to your word and gaining an understanding and revelation knowledge of what the scriptures mean. Holy Spirit, we give you room in our life to set the charges as we talk to you, to remove the stony stuff out of the way, to begin to till the wayside, to change the nature of our life, to be more and more successful in our relationship with you. Heavenly Father, we can have those things whatsoever we say because we're in covenant. Father, I ask that you speak to every person here to have something to say about this. This afternoon, while it's fresh on their mind and the faith of the Lord Jesus is at work in our hearts, Father, that we take a moment to speak out of our mouth something that we give to you to change. Now, Father, I thank you for divine health and healing working in this congregation. The Father, when we receive from you, we listen for your instructions in how to stay healthy. Father, I thank you nobody in this congregation need die before their time, but that we live a long and productive and happy life. And the older we get, the more wisdom we have. Father, the more resources we have. Father, I call in to the businesses and the farms and to every account your supply for their want and need. Father, I thank you for multiplying us even when we think the earning days have slowed or over or we are in a break-even season. Father, I break that thinking now with the power of your word. You always work to do us uh, uh, more and beyond what we could ask or think. So, Father, I release that anointing to work beyond what we ask or think. Father, for those that are facing limitations, I ask that you break the limitations in Jesus' name because you said all things are possible to him that believes, and I'm a believer, and I just believe that. So I believe right now you're breaking limitation. When we get free of the limitation, Father, teach us wisdom in the next decision that we make to set us on course for that wisdom to produce the fruit. Now, Father, I thank you where there's been discord or confusion that you wipe that away at the mention of the name of Jesus because Scripture says we can ask for that. So, Father, I ask that discord be gone and unity grow in every household. Father, I thank you that as we prepare to go to Guatemala, prepare to go to our homes today, 
prepare to go into our vehicle and, and ride back home, that your Holy Spirit speak to us words of wisdom for this life to know what we ought to do. Father, for those making big decisions, I ask that you impart supernatural wisdom, that it not be the list of pros and cons, but rather it be the word of the Lord that tips the scale in the right direction. Father, I thank you we're, we're people filled with wisdom and might that comes by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Josh and Rihanna, if you'd come. The altar is open if you came today with prayer requests or needs and desire ministry. Come and see these folks, and I want to see you before you go, so I'm going to go back there. But thank you for everything we're doing for the Lord this year. This is a year we've broken all of the limits off of what we're doing in ministry. We're accomplishing more than ever before. Thank you for being a part of that. And many of you are more active than you ever probably thought you could be in church before. But thank you for that. And expect something to happen in your life. God is well pleased when we trust him and invest in the kingdom. Your believing his word is an investment that will bring a return of blessing. Father, I ask that blessing come now in Jesus' name. We pray that today you are challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website at go to lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.